Popculture Pastor. Oh, Cody, this uh, this episode made me miss the the halcyon days of the nostalgic days of the mall. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you remember when we could just talk about the good memories of the mall? Yeah. Um, this episode I watched right after the Oscars. Oh, wow. And that's so, weird. It's a weird little, it's a weird back to back special. Like all the emotions of two of my beloved childhood actors winning. Yeah. Um, and then going straight into the Pascal verse. This is like, this episode was like, well, first of all, hello, welcome. <laughs> Buenos dias. Welcome to Watch Alongs, a pop culture pastor podcast, uh, where we watch a show along with you, and you watch the show, and then you come here to engage in our conversation about it. Uh, currently, we're doing Last of Us, the season one finale, was uh, is the episode we're about to talk about. And then at the, at the end of this episode, we'll tell you where we're going, since this season is over. Slash spoilers abound. Oh, all the spoilers. If you've never played the game and you haven't watched the season finale yet or the show and you don't want to be spoiled, do not go any further and pretty much stay off the internet. Um, if you've played the game, way to go. Yeah, if you played the game, this is not a shock to you. And we're going to talk about that because I'm, I'm still a little baffled that this deep of a philosophical question was in a video game. <laughs> uh, but here we are. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the, the craziness of this episode, um, Cody, before we start talking about it, is I felt like I was, you know, after the end of last week where you come off this like major kind of uh, PTSD type event for Ellie. Yeah. I don't know what I was expecting, but I wasn't expecting being immediately dropped in this philosophical thing. And by the way, you don't understand what's coming, but you can feel the tension at the beginning of this episode, the tension that's about to come. Like they do a great job. Man, these these showrunners, and this is what makes me mad, is about Marvel. I know you didn't know I was going to bring up Marvel. I wasn't ready for this. But like, I think what I love about this show is yeah that they have a, something they're heading towards and they're building it, and and no scene is wasted. And Marvel's just so like the last Phase Four of Marvel, a lot of it just felt empty. Like, well, hey, we'll just put this cool scene on the screen, or we'll just put this with Easter egg on the screen, and it was more about there was a lot of fan service in it where. This really shows how you can do fan service and still make a great show. Oh, yeah. And, um, and so, yeah, I just wanted to say that right off the top. They do a good job of... How will I put this? Um, they do a great job of... If you've played the game, you're going to be glued in to to the storyline but if you haven't played the game you're still intrigued and you still want to know just as badly as the video game player if it's going to go a certain way or not and um so you're not lost they use a lot of so this this leads us right at the beginning of this episode they use 
the old voice talent that helped create the original game. And I think that's exactly what I'm talking about. They're dropping Easter eggs in, but they're not shirking on the story. They're not just happy with giving you an Easter egg. So, for instance, Ashley Johnson, is that her name? I believe so. So she was the voice of Ellie in the video game. Well, here she plays Ellie's mom. We start the episode on a flashback. And basically, we're going to see why this is like if this was a superhero story and Ellie was the superhero, this is the origin story. So we see Ellie's mom. She's running from a um, fungi monster. Yes. Chrissy Seaver, as I will (laughs) refer to her in this episode, is running for her life. You know, it took me until you said that. It was bothering me since I watched it. I was like, where do I know her from? Because first of all, uh, this Angela Johnson, she has eyes that are very... Ashley Johnson. Ashley Johnson. She has eyes that are very distinctive. She's really bright eyes. And so I was like, I know I've seen this person before. She was also in the Avengers as a waitress. So that's where I thought I knew her from. But I became quite aware that I was like, no, I knew her before that because she's in the uh, Attack on New York scene. Yeah. Yeah. she, She has a dialogue with Captain America in the original Avengers. And so I knew she was in that, but I know I knew that she was in something before and you nailed it. She was the baby in growing pains. Like yeah. the young girl, the new, uh, the when the show should have been canceled. <laughs> and, you know, sitcom families, they always add the younger kids uh, at some point when they're trying to freshen up the show. Oh, yeah. She got 48 episodes in. So. Did she? Yeah. So she was the youngest Seaver in Growing Pains. And therefore, we can pretend that she uh, crafted her acting tutelage under the wise counsel of one Kirk Cameron. And Alan Thick, and of course, well, Alan Thick just is a given. I mean, legend, <laughs> legend. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's where we'd seen her before. Well, she is Ellie's mom. She's the voice of Ellie in the original video game. Yeah, but in this, uh, the TV show, she plays Ellie's mom in this flashback. And oh my gosh, is this intense? Very much so. It gives me Quiet Place vibes. I got that like just right as she's as she's running for the house. I mean, that was the first thing I thought of immediately. She's pregnant. She's clearly in labor. She's about to give birth. In fact, we get a, you know, like her water breaks in the house as she's running into the house. Um, It's just a fantastic scene. And we figure out why that Ellie's special. It's very Blade, very Blade-like in that she actually gets bit as she's giving birth. Yeah, like... You you find out, like, as she's finishing killing this fungi zombie dude, that, like, oh, there's a baby. <laughs> yeah, she, so in the, in the panic of being attacked by the zombie, the fungi zombie, she popped the baby out. And, like, <laughs> I need, I need women input here. <laughs> I need input from women who've given birth. Did we just need to scare you? Was that? <laughs> uh, so the baby is born because it's just like out on the floor. Yep. And she, as she's sitting there with her back against the wall, she realizes she's been bit. She she goes in action. She cuts the umbilical cord and everything. Um, and we'll find out later that this is why Ellie's special because cordyceps did 
get through, but it went through like straight to her brain. What I, I didn't understand that part. Did you? Did you? There's only a throwaway line or two. Yeah, this was too medical savvy for me. Yeah, somehow, some way, the the act of being infected initially as the baby was being born somehow gets cordyceps into the her brain as the brain is developing and it's sending signals that she's infected but she's not fully infected but the cordyceps is sending signals that she's infected and therefore the cordyceps doesn't need to continue trying to take over her so mm. i don't know that 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 part wasn't clear but this is the origin story for Ellie. Cut to present day. Or 2020. Whatever. Yeah. Or whatever year we're in. Uh, and Joel and Ellie, um, presumably some this there's been a time jump here. Yeah, because they have made it into Firefly Country. Yeah, they're they're in Utah. Um Joel, what you notice immediately is Joel's different. Joel has, he has officially sold out on loving Ellie. Mm. And and so that was, it was almost like, I get that there's a time jump of some time. I get that the last episode was something, like he technically made this choice already. But now we're seeing the effects where Joel, the veneer, the the tough veneer of Joel has dropped around her. And he's fully in on being her adopted dad, basically. And from that point in the episode, the little discussion they have where she's kind of out of it. And um, he he says something uh, a little bit further into the episode where he's like, we can turn back now. We can just forget all this. And she says, no, I want to see this through. F- like it's it is evident early on that there's going to be this conflict of what they both want here. Mm-hmm. And I mean. As any Pedro Pascal would do, he's going to take in the orphan, and he's yeah. going to love the <laughs> the child. He's going to take his helmet off, <laughs> and it, it, it's just now obvious that that Pedro is all in, and um, he doesn't want to feel that hurt and loss again. He's going to take off his helmet. The cult's going to throw him out of their cult. He's going to have to go bathe in the waters of Minnetonka. Exactly. <laughs> Mandalore. <laughs> Anyways, those were all Mandalorian references. They were. And orphans. And, you know. Basically, basically that it's kind of funny that these these uh, two shows he's on have kind of similar storylines. Um, But yeah, what follows is kind of like this beautiful episode where they're just trying to find this hospital. And... Uh, they see giraffes that are real. Yeah, real giraffes, not CGI. Because I would have been upset. Yeah, even the long tongue, weird tongue thing. Have you ever fed giraffes? I have helped a kid feed giraffes at uh, a field trip that yeah. I had to go on. So Their tongues are gross. Yeah. Yeah, not a fan. I thought I would be, but I wasn't. I was like, ew. Stupid giraffe. Um, have you not seen uh, them feed the Triceratops on Jurassic Park? I'm, yeah, I vaguely remember that, but that's a Triceratops, not a giraffe. Or is that they're they doing that thing where this clearly evolved into a giraffe, even though it looks nothing like it? 
no, they both have the weird tongue thing. And so, and they both are herbivores. I like it when you pronounce the H. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so basically the lead up to the hospital is all, you kind of wonder what's, as, as someone who was not a game player, the, the beginning of this episode is sort of meandering for me. And I'm like, what's happening here? What's the point of all this? And the point is they're doing this masterful job of easing, ramping up this tension. That's about to hit you in the face. It's about to hit you in the face, Cody. Like, I was so mad at Ellie at, during the buildup because, mm-hmm. like, she's she's lowering a ladder <laughs> so Joel can get up, and then she's like, "I'm gone." And then I'm like, Pedro Pascal has not led you three quarters of the way across the United States for you to run off and die. That wasn't OSHA certified. By it wasn't. You know, just drop ladders? What are you doing? <laughs> she was very excited. Uh, so they they finally get close to the hospital. They're walking through the triage area of the post right after you know society fell, and they don't hear the fireflies sneaking up on them. We're we're privy to it for about half a second. You're, yeah. We see a fuzzy person in the background. We're like, oh no! And uh, next thing you know, there's a a shot grenade thrown and then pedro gets knocked out flash to pedro waking up in uh, the hospital room marlene comes in explains the sitch and i'm like i don't know how you're still alive lady (laughs) right (laughs) i was like oh hey it's marlene wait what (laughs) uh that part was a little we don't have to dwell long, but I was like, wait a minute. She's alive? And she's in Utah? She does say that they lost five men crossing the country, which makes it even, you're meant to take as like, oh, Joel's, because she's kind of, um, she's kind of in unbelief that they made it. Yeah, because those five men were dedicated to making sure she stayed alive yeah. <laughs> across the country. <laughs> so um, what follows in the conversation is, the doctors think they've zeroed in on why Ellie is special, why she's immune, and that she was prepping for surgery right then, and they were going to go in to her brain and find this this uh, cordyceps that's giving out this signal to the rest of her brain and somehow produce, try to f- produce the signal, right? Produce this cordyceps. Turn it into a cure, essentially. Mm. I don't know if I can follow the... You know the epidemiology of what they're trying to do, but it sounded logical enough to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what's important is I'm not smart enough to know that it's not logical, yeah. so it sounds logical. And Joel puts it together pretty quickly. He's like, "Wait, it's in her brain. That means you're going to have to kill her." Don't you dare! And Marlene starts crying. You know, like the emotion of it all is is wild but we'll get there because i don't want to get into that discussion just yet so joel does what you presume joel's gonna do he goes rambo joel joel bow oh my and this part plays just like a video game it does and i'm like 
did Pedro Pascal study me playing video games? Because <laughs> he nailed it. This is exactly what it looks like when Cody played the game. <laughs> Amazing. Didn't die once. Just ripped through the the fireflies in the hospital. Uh, ripped through all them. Found a way. Killed a bunch of dudes. <laughs> and then got into the hotel room where he like caught like, okay, this was the first part of the episode where I was like shocked. Cold-bloodedly executes the doctor. Um, at that and point, the nurses. At that point, I'm like, I hope he's not the only one that can do this procedure. I, I mean, it's okay. So you have to assume that that might be the case. Like that's part of the deep philosophical question we're happening here. Is he doesn't just take away the chance for a cure? He like kills the doctor immediately. Kill first, ask questions later. Yeah, and and that's at that point of the episode where I start feeling a little uneasy. I'm just like, ooh, oh, wow, okay, we're going here. And again, I'll say it again, this was in a video game. Like, this, this is a deep, philosophical, deep in the roots of our humanity question right here going on. And this was in a video game, Cody. A very existential question. And yeah, I I love it. Um and I'll, I'll say that modern video games, the creators are more detail-oriented than, like, when you were playing Donkey Kong on the Game Boy. Um, there, there's a lot more emphasis on good story, good narrative, factual information. Um, I mean, if you played Oblivion or Skyrim, uh, those games, like... There's a ton of books that you can find. They have written actual pages and stories to the books, and you can read them while playing the video game if you wanted to. And some of the books are like 100 pages long or longer. And so, I mean, creators and designers are pouring in a lot more effort and energy into uh, the the overall story and some of the side things versus just oh it looks good yeah i had to do some digging because i didn't play the game mm. like i'm just i'm wrapped up in this episode like wow this is a deep deep thing that's happening here and then when i watched a couple of youtube videos and did some reading i found out like no this is straight from the game and i just can't believe y'all played through this like y'all video gamers played through this this where joel's like are you joel in this in the video game i are, believe so where you're killing all the you're killing the doctor and all these people like i want to know if you played the game were you conflicted at all we're going to have to have jackson back on oh man because he actually played through both games i thought man what a deep thing you're having to play through in a game and um basically the story ends with obviously joel gets her out carries her out kills marlene in the parking garage because Marlene's the last one left to try and stop him. She she again tries to explain like she's clearly the other side of this philosophical question where neither of them are really right or wrong, right? Like that's the beauty of this deep question is there's no right and wrong here. There really isn't. I don't, I don't know what is. I, I do think there's one little aspect of what the Fireflies do that is wrong, and we'll get to that in a minute. But for the most part, this is this is a deep conflict with no clear cut answer, and um, yeah, it's kind of nuts. 
And I mean, this is a conflict that has been ongoing for thousands and thousands oh, yeah, yeah, of yeah. years. Because even in uh, Roman times, um, there were philosophical debates about the the rights of one versus the rights of all, mm-hmm. or the betterment of all. And that's kind of where it boils down to. Yeah. So this reminds me. It's time for our uh, weekly watch-along segment. This reminds me. This reminds me. Did you like that? I did. <laughs> so um, I grew up in Lawrence, Kansas. Lawrence is a progressive town. Very much so. Um, they're very liberal, and they like to have their candlelight vigils for certain things that have taken place in history. One of which that I never really quite understood was they every year in Lawrence, someone they held a candlelight vigil for the victims of the bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki at the end of World War II. Um, now... I'm I, I I didn't understand this on two levels. One, I grew up. Uh, my grandfather, who is kind of the patriarch of our family, was a military guy, had been in World War II, Korea, Vietnam, and as such, was very much like that kind of patriotic. Mm-hmm. Was like, yes, drop that bomb, drop it twice in the war, right? He's very he's very gruff. wasn't a sensitive dude, and so the 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 kind of the the angle of American history that I learned was that kind of patriotic was we do what we have to do. Um, the second reason I didn't understand it was as a history person. So I studied history was a history major in college and um, having a candlelight vigil for the victims of the atomic bombs dropped on Japan was weird to me, given that the more people died in the fire bombings of Tokyo, which were ongoing until we dropped those bombs. Dropping the bombs stopped the war, stopped the firebombing. We, I, I, I'm saying there were more, like if you're holding a candlelight vigil, where's the candlelight vigil for the one where more people died? That was kind of what I was saying. Yeah. All of this is in my mind with General uh, Tecumseh Sherman's quote from the Civil War where he says, war is hell and it cannot be refined. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of my viewpoint for this. But this episode reminds me of the conflict of the nuclear bombs dropped on Japan. Was it necessary? Well, one side says yes, stops the war. That J- The claim is, is that Japan would have kept going would have, until they all died. The leaders would have kept going because it's never the people. It's always the leaders. Yeah. Um, but that they would have kept going. And there's some proof to that. There's, you know, you can offer up some evidence to say, yeah, that's probably true. But once those bombs are dropped, they're like, okay, we got to we got to give in. Um, the other side says the indiscriminate taking of life is never okay. It's murder. It's never okay. And there's truth to that as well. Mm -hmm. And that's where we're dropped in this episode, this philosophical question. And it's builds from the very beginning. It's very clear what Ellie wants. Ellie, if given the choice is going to choose to sacrifice her life for the, she's feeling this guilt of all the people that have died around her. And, and she wants to be the hero. Now, here's the problem. They didn't give her the choice. Nope. <laughs> they didn't give her the choice. The people of Hiroshima and Nagasaki didn't have a choice. Nope. If, if you'd asked them beforehand, it's like, if we took your life and guaranteed it would stop the war and save this many lives, would you be for it? Some of them probably would have said yes. Because humans can be very valiant. But they didn't have a choice. And therein lies the conflict. 
the conflict of this episode. Who's right? Who's wrong? I don't know. I don't know. Because on one hand, the fireflies are like, this could cure humanity. And they're not wrong. But like if it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. On the other on the other hand, you got Joel. And like again, I'm gonna say it again. I'm impressed y'all played this video game like and didn't weren't super conflicted because like he makes the choice to protect the person he loves. Mm-hmm. His his adopted daughter, basically. And you understand it. You get it completely. When it's happening, you're like, yeah, this is about what I would expect. However, oh my, the the ramifications of this, which I have no idea where season two, where uh, part two of the game goes, but I have a good idea of what's going to happen. Like the conflict between Joel and Ellie, w- that will be a thing, right? I oh, mean, that yeah. has to be a thing. She's going to find out. I'm not going to be happy when it happens. Oh, man. Because I am definitely team one side versus the other side. Which you're you're of the sacrifice, right? I'm Team Joel. Oh, you're Team Joel. I'm Team Joel. Okay, because my mindset is you're 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 dead set on that side. Yes, There's, you're not conflicted. Not conflicted at oh, all. Man, I'm super conflicted. Because literally, like, it could be the cure, yeah. but it could not be. And then you just killed a young girl's life for no apparent reason. They've had twenty years. To figure something out. And they have figured out Jack Diddley squat. I, I know. That's why it's like so important. And, and and like what? What are the odds that another person gave birth while getting bit? Like this is it. This is their shot. That's it. This is it. It is it. And is is your is someone's life, is your loved one's life worth it on the chance that you cure humanity? Where do we think the end of this goes? Because do we, do we think that humanity is going to keep dwindling until it's gone until the, the fungus kind of takes over the earth? Is that, I mean, it kind of depends on that kind of depends on the context of, or does human life just adapt to a new way of living? Because if the, the fungi can adapt, why can humanity eventually evolve or adapt? Yeah. Um, but like, I know that Joel in a heartbeat would be like, do the surgery on me so she could live. Uh huh. Um, That's true. But from like a parental standpoint, like you would do anything to protect your child. And yeah, I'm, I'm all about it. You go Joel. Yeah. I don't know if I would have went on a murder rampage. But I definitely would have tried to get in there and and I would have like just covered her and been like, no, you're like, listen, you give her the choice. You give it like if I if I if that's my daughter and I know like here's the part that where Joel didn't really consider is what her like she makes it kind of clear in the episode where she's going to end up on this. And if she'd have been conscious, if they'd have given her the choice. I, are we all under the impression that she would have said, yes, I will sacrifice myself for the chance, the chance that it's the cure. Don't I, we think she would have said yes to that? I presume she would have said yes, but they don't want to give her. They didn't take the risk. No. And therefore they, they, they get the ire of Joel, the murderous, murderous, violent Rambo. Ire of Joel. <laughs> but yeah, se- season two. There's going to be a reckoning. 
I'm not going to be happy. I I feel, and there's going to be a tense relationship, probably a no relationship at some point. Yeah. And I'm like, how dare you do this to Joel? I'm already feeling the separation anxiety. I, I don't think I can handle this. I'm, I was all in on the growing relationship of Joel and Ellie. And now that I know that at some point, you don't, this storyline doesn't exist for them to be live happily ever after. You know it's going to come up. Yeah. I don't know if I can handle it. Um, Biblical things running throughout the episode. I mean, it is this question of sacrifice. Yeah. And willing sacrifice, you know? Um, and finding purpose in your life. Because, mm-hmm. um, um, I mean, Joel talking about how he got his scar and that it wasn't someone just shooting him yeah um there there's some deep things that are being implied that like uh he he actually is finding hope in in joy in being in um in a parental role with with ellie yeah you have two people who are reacting differently to tragedy right Mm-hmm. Where where Ellie has gotten to this place where I'm ready to sacrifice myself for the greater good. Uh, uh, Joel's not there yet. Joel's not there yet. He's he's not he's willing to sacrifice himself for Ellie, and that's it. And and like this is the this is the conceit of the episode, and the the first season really is this question. Um, and yeah, the the biblical part here is uh, there's no greater. There's no greater, nothing greater than this to lay down in one's life for one's friends. But I don't think Jesus, <laughs> Jesus is wanting to get you to a place where you love your human, human brothers and sisters. That, yeah. That they're, everyone's of, of more importance than you, that I'm going to commit my life to the, to the group here. So if we go extra biblical, mm-hmm. Jesus talked about how. You should hate your mother and father yeah. in relation to him. And he's gave his whole life for the whole world, not just you or your family or your church, but yeah. even the people that look down on you, the people that are the most vile, evilest things walking around. He gave his life for all. That's a perfect scripture. Well done. That was a perfect one to grab because he's not saying literally hate your mother and father. Yeah. He's saying you got to you got to love me, love God the most. And that will help you love people. The it, hierarchy is important. Yeah. And so that's uh I I still just can't believe this was in a video game. I just can't believe it. It'd be like Super Mario Brothers if King Koopa was actually Dr. Koopa. <laughs> and he just took the princess because she was the key to curing Toadland. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, just wild, wild stuff. Who, who is the winner of the episode? Cody. Who wins this episode? Um. Oh, that's tough. I'm going Chrissy Seaver because, like, her performance <sighs> sets the whole tone for the the episode, and she nails it in like five minutes or less. I mean, she's great, isn't she? Yeah. I mean, 
for someone who's not like a big name actress, she does a lot of voiceover work, like mm-hmm. care, uh, like video games and cartoons and stuff. But you don't see her that much in person. She was great. She was great, and I can't. I, I'm not going to go there, but I don't argue with that selection. And I'm glad you picked her because she definitely deserves recognition. I mean, that five minute opening. Whew, Man, that's something. That's some stuff right there. And and like what I love about this show is they give you these Easter eggs for the game players. So the game players all knew that she was the voice of Ellie. And they make it, they take a chance. Last uh, episode, we had the guy that was the vo- voice of Joel in the video games, and he plays a pretty big part. He's got a lot of speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, and that and you come to find out, hey, they're good at what they do. They can act. And they're very familiar with the source material. Yeah. It's great stuff. She was awesome. Um, I am going to go once again with Bella Ramsey. I think that, I mean, I don't know what becomes of her career after this, but if I had to like stake my my house on some, on someone winning acting awards, uh, she's at the top of that list. Like just really nuanced, brilliant kind of acting in this episode where, yeah, there's something about her. There's you can just tell like back when Tom Hanks was doing like comedy and goofy comedy stuff. Bosom <laughs> buddies. Like you just knew there was something special about Tom Hanks. You just you, you just knew that he was like he could do more, and he and he would. And I and I get the kind of the same feeling with Bella Ramsey. I'm like, man, she can she can do whatever she wants to do in the acting profession. She's that good. And Hollywood, start giving Pedro some awards. Come yeah. on. Who's the loser of the episode? Um, The doctor. <laughs> Definitely the doctor. <laughs> oh, man. I would give a close runner up to Marlene, who's like a recognizable actress. I've seen her yes. in other things. And boy, she, she, does, she gets basically two big scenes in the whole series. The one where she gives Ellie to Joel and the one where she gets killed by Joel at the end. <laughs> you pulled a gun on us. Uh, so I would I, I would give her honorable mention, but definitely the doctor. <laughs> we Oh, hey, there's the doctor. Oh, he's gone. Okay. He basically had enough time to go, hey, buddy. <laughs> and then boom. Hey, you can't come in here. <laughs> um, what would you rate this episode? Um... Eight and a half to nine. Yeah. I'm going to give it a slightly less than I did last episode. I'd give it like an eight because for me, the, the deep philosophical questions, the star here, I don't know. Like it took me a little while to process once the, when the credits start rolling at the end, I was like, wait, that's it. Shortest episode the whole season. Yeah. I, I was taken aback and I had to really process what was interesting about the episode and the whole take there. And I'm not sure it was like a well-crafted piece of entertainment per se, as much as it is a well-crafted, deep human philosophical question that's presented. Yeah. So for me, it was very thought provoking. Like I had to examine where I fall on it and um, I can be selfish at times. And so mm-hmm. I'll definitely go with team Joel on this. Um, like, if she finds out and is like, yeah, I want to have the surgery, even if it means I'm dead, it yeah. could save everyone and their mom. Um, 
or everyone their child because we still have Tommy and Tara from True Blood out there that are about <laughs> to have a child. Yeah, I suspect. Well, you don't know unless you're in that moment, because I think outside of that moment, I'd be like, I would like to say, well, I'd be about what my daughter's wishes were. I love her enough to to give her the autonomy of self. You know, like I I I I'm, I think like that on the on the outside, but in the moment, I suspect I would be Team Joel. That that in the moment, my fatherly protectiveness would take over and be like, you didn't ask her. Therefore, this is all moot. This is murder, and I'm stopping it. Dave will put on the war paint and the bandana. and <laughs> The human race be darned! <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, tell us what you thought of the episode. What did you think? Did you like it? Are you a game player? Did you know this was coming? How dare you not tell me? I am deeply conflicted. Thank you for not telling me. Yes, thank you for not telling us or ruining the surprise for us non-game players. Um, so tell us what you thought about the episode, where you think season two is going. Uh, if you don't know, if you do again, be kind, don't spoil it. And, uh, uh Hey, we should tell you that watch alongs next week. will switch days with the radio pod because the next show we are doing on watch alongs. Are you ready? Drum roll. We don't have special effects. <laughs> we don't have special effects. The next show is Ted Lasso. Theodore. We're going to watch Ted Lasso together. So watch alongs next week will be uh, Ted Lasso episode one of season three. And uh, yeah, we're very excited about that. Thanks for listening. All the stuff that goes at the end of the episode right here. Follow us, rate, review us, give us a rating, uh, subscribe, all that jazz. We'll see you next week.